Ephesians. I don't know. Ephesians chapter 6, as we continue in this journey of spiritual warfare and focusing on the Christian's armor, the armor of God, and our instruction to ready ourselves for battle, we don't have an option. We are in a war. We don't get a choice to lay out. We're in a war. And we have to be prepared for the war. I don't know if any of you want to be defeated in war. I don't know if any of you want to be defeated in battle and useless in battle. I don't think anyone in their right mind would say so. Uh, we, we, one, of the, one of the pains of war, like the Vietnam War, where there was such political failure... We didn't go with the intent to win, we just went with the intent to be there, and it caused so much heartache and pain around the world because we didn't fight to win, politically speaking. Our soldiers were valiant, and they were caught. And a lot of times, spiritually, we kind of put ourselves in the same position as if there was bad politics leading us and not the mission to win. But God's goal is for us to win. God's goal is for us to succeed, and yet he has given us everything we need to win. We don't have any excuse. God has given us everything we need to succeed in the battle of the kingdom of God. Satan versus Christ. Good versus evil. And let me give you a secret. If you haven't read Revelation, Jesus already won, yo. <laughs> We're fighting as the winners already, all right? It's already declared victory, but we still have battles along the way until Jesus conquers our eternal foe. And so he says in verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 6, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. You ain't doing it in your power. Can't do it. It's not possible. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand against the schemes of the devil. We do not wrestle against people. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Sometimes the battle manifests itself through a person, and we think they're the enemy. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. All right, before we move on to verse 13, who is the cosmic power over this present darkness? Satan and his demons. And they're also fighting in heavenly places against us. Satan is accusing us daily before the throne of God. Therefore, verse 13, take up. We have to take action. This isn't passive. We have to do something. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, Paul speaks as the preacher, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to 
speak. You may be seated. Week three of this journey, the first uh, garment that we considered was the belt of truth. The belt of truth and the belt would bind up the garments. They wore loose flowing garments back in those days and you can't run in a skirt, ladies. Amen? You got to be very cautious. If it's a flowing skirt, you got to grab it and then run. I've watched y'all ladies chasing your kids, right? If it's long and flowing, you got to kind of gather it up and run. If it's short and tight, you need to get right with God. But no, I'm kidding. But you, you, you can't really move like that either. And so um, when they would wear like a tunic, a, a, a long flowing robe, they would need to gather it up. And so the picture of that soldier gathering up his clothes so nothing would trip him up in the battle. And that's what the truth of God's word does for us in our spiritual battle. It binds up all those loose edges that would cause us to stumble. We, uh, the, Satan is lying to us every day, all day long, through media, through the society, through politics, through, uh, through social media, through the news media, through the newspaper. Everything is a lie from Satan. And Satan, just like in the Garden of Eden, will take part of the truth add a little bit of lie, and twist it just right so it sounds right. And so we have to be inundated with the truth of God's Word so that we overcome the lies of Satan because he wants to trip us up with his lies. And then the next uh, garment that we talked about in the armor of God last week is the breastplate of righteousness, considering the most vulnerable portion of our body, spiritually speaking, our heart, our soul, is who we are. What defines us? And choosing righteous acts, choosing to honor God's word so that we don't mortally wound ourselves in this battle. And then today we come to the shoes of the gospel, the gospel shoes that we need to function. He says, take up the whole armor of God that you can withstand. In verse 14, the truth, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and now in verse 15, as shoes for your feet. Put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Um, some reference Bibles and commentators would point back to Romans chapter 10 or maybe the Great Commission and say this is speaking of our call to evangelize. And while the entire New Testament, even in the Old Testament, speaking of prophets crying out, we do have a command to share the gospel regularly, but that is not what this is speaking of. This is not our charge to share the gospel faithfully. There's plenty of that in Scripture, by the way. I'm not dismissing our responsibility to share the gospel. But what this is talking about, the readiness given by the gospel of peace as shoes for your feet. The preparation that happens because the gospel, the word of God, has soaked into our life and changed us. There is nothing worse than being caught off guard in a battle. And it says to put on readiness that is given by the gospel of peace. We need to be prepared for the spiritual battle, aware that no matter what happens in our life, there will be spiritual warfare. If, uh, if good is happening in your life, Satan is preparing something to attack you with. If you are in a valley and you're going through destruction and pain and hardship right now, Satan is preparing more for you. All right, Satan is never going to let up. And so the, as shoes for our feet, what the gospel of peace prepares us for in this aspect of the spiritual warfare that we are facing. Y'all remember my shoe story from last year? How 
I was really struggling to start walking and exercising, and Sundays I would get up and preach, and I know I'm overweight, but standing up here and preaching should not make my body hurt from head to toe. And I was just frustrated, and I, and I, and I so I, I was told by some friends who are marathoners and, uh, and trying to encourage me to start running, go down to Luke's locker, get fitted for the right kind of shoe for how you're your foot is and uh, they'll get you what you need and then they'll even guide you for some dress shoes but be prepared to spend some money so I was thinking $300 for a pair of tennis shoes I was all nervous so I went drove down to Luke's locker and he says well everything's 125 to 150 in our store well that's still a lot of money for my I don't spend $125 on tennis shoes okay I look on Amazon and eBay and find them for 30 and 40 dollars probably part of my problem right so he fits me for, he walks, he watches me walk barefoot so he can watch my step and watch how my knees groove and how my hips move and how my feet land and so he can put me in the right kind of shoe. So then he goes and pulls out that little silver footprint deal and he puts my foot in it and he says, okay, stand up straight. And he moves the little slide. He says, okay, you're a size 11. I said, I'm a what? Size 11. And then he looks over at my sandals. I was wearing my Jesus sandals. And uh, he said, did you steal your shoes from your kids? And I said, no, those are my shoes. What size are they? Nine. What size of shoe do you wear, sir? Nine. Sir, you could go to Payless and buy a $10 pair of shoes in the right size and be better off than you are. Do you feel like your toes are crumbled up? I said, yeah, isn't that how they're supposed to be? <laughs> Secure around your foot. And he said, no, sir. Your foot has to move. You need a little space. Don't you remember your mom pressing her thumb on your toe and making sure there was space? I said, well, I just thought that's because she was cheap. She wanted to make sure I grew into them before I, you know, before I wore them out. And he says, no, sir, you wear a size 11. As if I already didn't feel bad enough being 300 pounds in a running store where the 76-year-old clerk who's fitting me is talking about the three marathons he ran last year. I was already self-conscious. I'm like, 11. I wear a size 11. That's amazing. So for Christmas this year, I told Valerie, so I had bought a pair of shoes at that store and went on eBay and found a discontinued pair. So I had two pair of shoes, you know. And uh, so I told Valerie for Christmas, I said, you know what? I am stocking up on my shoes for Christmas. So I have this whole cubby full of size nine shoes that are now in a box ready to be donated, sitting in the back of my van for the last eight months. Because, you know, when I pass by that donation place, I'm going to drop it all off with my fat clothes. And so, uh, fatter clothes. And so uh, for Christmas, I stocked up, man. I bought myself a pair of Air Jordans. I always wanted a pair of Air Jordans. I found some for 90 bucks. I wore them last Sunday. I don't wear them that often. I bought myself these $12 shoes at Walmart. It's amazing. The $12 shoes at Walmart feel good when you buy the right size. You don't have to buy expensive shoes. You just got to buy the right size of shoes. And it's amazing to me. I would dread the way I would feel Sunday afternoon after I preach. Now, you know, they say preaching is like running about three miles. And if you're my size, running three miles is a lot of work. And so I understand being tired after I preach. But I mean, I was sore from head to toe. My knees would hurt. My ankles would hurt. All because I had the wrong size shoe. Now you get the right size shoe and I feel like I could run a marathon. Well, I could run from here to the house and feel good. And 
the tragedy is, is that bad shoes caused me heartache and pain that I did not need to go through. Imagine a soldier or a marathon runner not wearing shoes or the right shoes. Bad shoes or the wrong shoe size can literally cripple you from head to toe. They can limit your ability to move freely and do what you are naturally made to do. Now you think of the soldier in this day and time when this is written, uh, before landmines, before explosives, they, uh, the precursor to a landmine, the, uh, in the battlefield, the enemy would take sturdy sticks from a strong tree and shape them like a javelin and a spear and sharpen the ends and then shove it down in the ground and cover it up with brush. And so if you didn't have shoes or you didn't have the proper shoes, you would be running into the battlefield and then be maimed and taken out of the battle because that spear with your full weight and your full force would go right through your foot. You can't fight anymore. You can't stand up. And so they would, uh, they, the soldiers in those times, especially the Romans, understood the importance of good shoes. And so they would develop strong uh, leather bases to go under the foot. And then they would fashion heavy leather straps to hold that shoe onto their foot. Uh, very, if you have some Birkenstocks, probably something very similar to that. Um, they were yuppies even before Christ, okay? Um, and they, so they could go out into the battlefield and not be impaled by something in the dirt, some kind of sharp object or rock. They could safely run and fight in the battle. And spiritually speaking, that's why we get this picture from Ephesians chapter 6. Because as a soldier fighting in a physical field, if his feet were taken out, you're done. You hear stories of World War II and World War I and what we learned about the importance of boots. Uh, there were whole uh, American boot companies that still exist today that uh, were charged with developing proper boots for our soldiers, and they still in, in, in uh, uh, in business today, if you work in construction or hike, you probably have bought those brands. And the importance of your feet being ready and protected to go into battle is critical, especially for us as children of God, in a spiritual battle. And so the picture, as shoes for the soldier's feet, put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So these shoes, the readiness... Uh, back in verse 13 and 14, it tells us that our importance to stand up and stand firm in the spiritual battle. This readiness of the gospel will give us a boldness and a strength that we need to stand in the face of spiritual warfare. Understanding that the, the atmosphere of the kingdom of God is, is the kingdom of Satan is against us at all times. And so I know I don't have a choice but to retreat. I have a choice to stand firm and God has given me what I need in his word to do so. I was talking to a dear friend of mine who is a combat veteran. And I was speaking of spiritual warfare and attacks that we were facing. And he listened quietly and then he spoke back to me. And he said, you know, when we were uh, in training, I believe he's an army ranger. He's an elite soldier. When we were in training, um, we would do... Uh, blank fire drills to get used to the sounds and the effects and then we began to do live fire drills they would go out onto military bases and train with live fire taking real bullets at them to prepare for battle and the first thing they were trained to do was not retreat 
They were not taught to hunker down and run away. They were taught to engage and fire back immediately. That's what makes a soldier so elite, that they're prepared and trained and experienced in the atmosphere of battle so that when fire comes at you, when the attack comes at you, your first response is not turn and run away and cower. Your first response is verse 13 and 14 says, stand. Stand up. And having the readiness of the gospel that gives you a boldness, understanding, first of all, this is not salvation. This is because of salvation. As a child of God who is understanding my role in the kingdom of God, I understand that the gospel working out in me gives me the boldness and the surety and the readiness to stand up to Satan and his attacks. This is not arrogance. This is not pride. This isn't saying that I'm stronger than Satan because we are not. It's understanding by with the power of God, I can engage the devil. I can engage the demonic attack that comes at my family. I can engage the spiritual warfare that comes at me in my mind and in my spirit. I can engage with the power of God to overcome because he has already overcome. And so the readiness that the gospel brings is understanding the power of Christ in me. Allowing the Word of God to speak to me, to strengthen me, and the Spirit of God to guide me so that when the enemy attacks, not if, when he attacks, I immediately, my immediate response is to stand firm and then begin to fire back. How do I fire back? Well, if Jesus is our ultimate example, when he was spending 40 days in the wilderness fasting and being tempted and attacked by Satan, how did Satan, how did Jesus respond? Three words. It is written. Jesus is the living Word of God, therefore He knew the Word of God, but you and I must be so saturated with the Word of God and with the truth of God's Word, remember, belted up with truth, so that when Satan begins to lie and Satan begins to attack, we have the readiness of the shoes of the gospel that we stand firm in the battle and we respond, no, Satan, you're a liar. That's not true. No, Satan, I am not defeated. I am on the winning team. No, Satan, I am not going to give in to that temptation. No, Satan, I'm not going to give up in this spiritual battle because Jesus has already won, and I know by the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of his words that I am headed in the right direction, so fire back. It is written. Romans chapter 8, verse 37 through 39. Same writer, Paul declares, I am persuaded. I'm persuaded. There's no doubt in his heart and his mind. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Hey, you ever struggle with anxiety? Memorize Romans chapter 8, verse 37. The stuff in the past can't kill you. The stuff in the future can't kill you. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Nor height, nor depth, nor any such thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gospel of peace in Ephesians 6 is not talking about our salvation. It's talking about the working out of our salvation and understanding that in this spiritual warfare, as Romans 8.30 says, we must be persuaded by the word of God. We must be persuaded by the conviction of the Holy Spirit that Satan can't destroy us. And when he comes at us, the, the option is not to run away. It's to stand firm against his attack and be ready to fire back and go head on into battle. As you study through Ephesians chapter 6 and you look at the armor that we are given, nothing protects our rear quarters. 
Nothing does. There is no shield. There is no protection for the rear quarter. There's two reasons for that. Number one, the Bible says that Jesus goes before me, beside me, and behind me. We are encompassed about by the power of the Holy Spirit as children of God. And number two, the reason we have nothing to protect us in the rear is because we have brothers and sisters in Christ who are to be surrounding us and fighting with us. We don't have to worry about what's coming behind us because we got a brother back there fighting. we got a sister back there fighting. I got your back. Soldiers and police officers say, I got your six. Your six o'clock. I got your back. And that should be our spirit as children of God. Uh, the teens Bible study this morning, Romans 15. Bearing with, with each other's weaknesses. That's our responsibility as children of God, to hold each other up in this spiritual battle. Listen, we as children of God don't need any more enemies. Satan and his demons is enough. We don't need to be tearing each other down and putting each other down and letting each other down. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13 says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not just in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God with work, which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. This is the gospel of peace. This is understanding that the word of God is true and that as we are saved, nothing can separate us from God. But the gospel of peace, the readiness that we are given, is the understanding that we have responsibilities as children of God, not to work for salvation, but to work because of salvation. And it is work, and it is a spiritual battle, and it is tough, and it will be exhausting, but we must be ready with the gospel of peace. So how do we... How do we prepare ourselves with the Word of God? How do we prepare ourselves and put on those shoes? And my heart and mind immediately went to the passage of my very first sermon, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, I beg you, I plead with you, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you give yourselves as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You will not experience the will of God until you find trials. You will not find the will of God until he takes you through a trial. And by doing so, he is working out his truth in you. He will give you what you need before the trial comes. He will give you his word. That's why we ought to be hiding his word in our hearts so we don't sin against him, so we don't fail in the midst of trials. And so the gospel of peace being worked out in us, the readiness that comes, is that we are prepared by proper spiritual diet. No soldier goes out to war without first eating right. If you've ever run a marathon, you're crazy. But the night before... You'll eat a plate. Have you ever done a full marathon? No, you're not crazy. You've done a half marathon? You're going to do it. So you're half crazy. <laughs> but the night before, they carb up. So typically, part of the event is they have a spaghetti feed with no sauce. You just go eat some noodles. Diabetics, beware. Don't worry, you're going to burn it off tomorrow. 13 miles, 13 points. One. You see people with that 26.2 sticker on their car? That's what that means. 
So if you ever see me in a car accident with somebody that had a 26.2 sticker, it's because I went in a rage and just wanted to run them off the road because they're crazy. But you have, to, you have to nourish yourself to be able to endure. And the journey of God in the kingdom of God, the battle is all about endurance. Throughout the New Testament, we see that word endure, 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 because it's not going to be an easy path. It's not going to be an easy trial. Uh, steel is refined through hot fire, burning away the impurities. And just like that, we as God's people must go through spiritual warfare so that he can shape us and mold us to be more and more like him and what he wants us to be. So we must be prepared with the gospel of peace. We must have our shoes on with the readiness that the gospel of peace gives. And the only way that that can happen is for us as children of God to personally be changed by the gospel. And I'm not just talking about salvation. I'm talking about daily understanding that I need the truth of the gospel, that I am a sinner. And if I have any hope in this life, it's only because of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. And when you begin your walk with Christ at salvation, that's just the beginning. Yes, you were given eternal security and eternal salvation the moment you were saved. But working out the gospel in your life understands that today I need the gospel. I need the blood of Jesus to forgive my sins that I commit today. I need God's strength to overcome temptation today. We must be changed by the gospel and stand firm in Christ. We also must be moved by the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel agenda of God's kingdom. It's not just doing right things, but it's also living out our faith in the midst of heartache and trials. Anyone can serve God in fair weather. I remember as a child, my dad on Saturdays would always have sports playing in the house. Always. Whether it's baseball, it's football. If dad was home and the TV was on, it was sports. And I remember Saturdays, ABC's Wide World of Sports. Baseball game after baseball game after baseball game. And I distinctly remember sitting in the living room of our house in Escondido, and we had a cable box with the remote on top, and then the TV was furniture on the floor. Remember those? And the two knobs on the TV. And I remember sitting there, who's, who's playing? <coughs> Sit down and see which teams are playing and whichever one's winning. I'm going to go for that team. Dad says, oh, I see you're a Fairweather fan. Well, I don't care who wins. I just want to be going for the one that wins. What happens if the score changes in a couple of innings? Then I'll be going for that team. Anybody can follow Christ when things are good. Anybody can stick it out in marriage when things are good. Anybody can stick it out in church when things are good. Anybody can stick it out in life when things are good. But it takes somebody completely submitted to the work of God and to the kingdom agenda of the gospel to stick it out no matter what. We must be moved by the gospel agenda of the kingdom. We must be motivated by heaven's agenda, not our own. And so when we are getting beat up in the spiritual battle, we need to be reminded by God's word. Remember the readiness, the shoes of readiness that are come by the gospel of peace. Understanding that as storms come, as trials come, as those 
fiery darts come, we are ready to continue because we know that God has something greater on the other side of this. We know that God is doing something, whether it's showing His glory through my life or whether it's preparing me to be used on a greater way next as I continue to be motivated by heaven's agenda, not mine, because my agenda is comfort and ease. My agenda is that the church would spend $20,000 on solar panels so I could set the thermostat of my house for 62 degrees and not have to hear about it in business meetings after they do the meter readings. That's my agenda. My agenda is comfort and ease. My agenda is I never want to have to worry about money. I never want to have to worry about health. I never want to have to have enough money in the bank to cover my medical insurance deductible. I never want to have any problems. I never want my clothes to wear out. I never want to have conflict with my children. My agenda is ease. I want all the people that I pastor to love me at all times and think I'm the greatest preacher there ever was. My agenda is ease and comforts. Everybody say amen. Everybody becomes really good friends with Mike and Shirley and Brandon and Eva during the summer. You know why? They got swimming pools. They got swimming. Oh, Shauna got a swimming pool too, cousin. My favorite writings cousin that lives in Bedford. You're the only one I really know. Because naturally in the flesh, we are prone to comfort, right? That old him prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. It's because when things get tough, it's natural to walk away. But if we are, we have our feet shod with the shoes of the preparation of the gospel, we are ready for the battle. We are ready to continue moving forward. We have to actively engage in the battle for the sake of the kingdom of God, not for our own pleasure. We cannot be apathetic or allow ourselves to be taken out of the fight because we are unprepared. That's probably one of the great tragedies in the kingdom of God is Christians falling by the wayside because they got taken out by Satan. Why do we work so hard to try to spare marriages when marriages begin to fail? Because statistics say overwhelmingly not just about the social and the family destruction, but the spiritual destruction. Because let's say we have a family here in this church that husband and wife serve the Lord faithfully together for years and then they go through a divorce. Which one gets to stay at the church? Neither one of them want to come back because they associate the church with their broken marriage. We understand that how Satan, why Satan is trying to destroy families because it's not just a small battle. It's a tremendous wound when something like a family is destroyed or uh, we, Satan's coming at you to try to take you out of the fight with some kind of personal attack, whether he's trying to destroy you or distract you with health or family or, uh, or f- financial problems, whatever it might be. He'll tempt you to lose your testimony at work. He'll tempt you to lose your testimony in your neighborhood. He'll do anything he can so he can take you out of the fight because once you realize that you've done something to lose your testimony. Here's the way Satan does. He'll tempt you. Oh, it's okay. Go ahead and do it. Go ahead. Lose your temper. Have a cuss fit with the neighbor. It's all right. It ain't going to hurt you. Then when you do, he'll be like, oh, you better not ever tell them about Jesus. After you fail, he'll, he'll tempt you to fail. And then when, he, when you do fail, he'll go, oh, you're a loser. You might as well just quit. We talked about the lies of Satan a couple of weeks ago. That's why we need to be girded up with the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes of preparation of the gospel of peace. We cannot be apathetic. We must fully engage in the battle because Satan wants to take us out. And he understands that 
the world benefits from a child of God fully prepared, fully engaged in the spiritual battle. That does not mean perfect. Is anybody perfect here? Anybody married to a perfect person? <laughs> I will not say who raised the hand. See, that's also one of the lies of Satan is that we must strive for perfection. See, the beauty of the gospel is, is when lost people see Christians being real about their brokenness, say, listen, friend, I am not perfect. You saw me mess up. And you've heard me say that that kind of behavior is a sin. And I'm sorry that I, you saw that. I'm sorry that I did it. I'm sorry that I lost my testimony in front of you. And I hope you'll forgive me and understand that God is still working on me. And the power of the gospel is when repentant Christians show their humility and brokenness over their sin. And God gets glory even from our failures. So what do we do? Allow the gospel to change us daily. Be changed by the gospel. Be ready by being filled with God's word and God's Holy Spirit. And be engaged by faithfully moving forward with God's kingdom agenda of the gospel. We don't have a choice to be apathetic. We are all called up for service. How do you feel when you hear about somebody that was a draft dodger? Some politician running for office, and they're a draft dodger. There's something that stirs inside of me. I think, well, how come, how come you, because your daddy was rich or important, you, you dodged the draft. My dad willingly joined up before he was drafted. He knew he was going to be drafted. He wanted to serve his country, and he wanted to do it in a certain branch, so he made sure he joined up so he could pick his branch. What makes you more special than my daddy? What makes you more special than those poor kids in the poor neighborhoods that didn't have a chance and they got drafted and they went to, our, went to the war and were killed? What makes you better? Something in me stirs. And the tragedy is, spiritually speaking, there are many Christians who are draft dodgers. Enjoying the benefits of the citizenship of heaven enjoying the benefits of the kingdom of God, but refusing to engage in spiritual battle. And you know what? Satan loves you. Satan loves an apathetic Christian because you're not doing him any harm. You're not reaching anyone for Christ. You're not making an example of the glory of God. So he's going to leave you alone. He don't have to worry about you. But God's call to every child of God is that we be fully engaged in the battle for souls. And what that means is Satan is going to defy us at every single turn. In the last year, our church has engaged in several campaigns together. And as soon as we got on the same page and started moving forward, we saw it. Immediately, Satan started attacking Satan came at us in all kinds of different ways to discourage us, to destroy us, to tear us apart. Some of it sometimes turning us on each other a little bit. Tonight we start in a campaign together to reach kids with the gospel of Christ. And Satan doesn't want it one bit. He's going to wear you out. 
We woke up with two sick kids this morning. He's going to do everything he can to stop us. He's going to do everything he can to discourage you from serving this week. He's going to give you some kind of excuse. Oh, well, I don't need to go tonight. This happened. He's going to put that ox in the ditch to convince yourself that you got to stay out, lay out, and all somebody else will do it. He's going to, he, hey, if this is the worst problem we have, that little piece of black paper falling down because a shortest church member tried to hang it up, if that's the worst thing we have, it's a victory. But Satan's going to do every little thing he can to annoy us, to distract us, to harm us, because we're on the same page for the kingdom. And understand, this week we need to be shod with the shoes of the readiness of the gospel of peace. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. Nick sent me a little picture this morning when he got here of the stage, and he, he said... We better have a really good altar call because Jesus is here. You know, that's kind of funny, but Jesus is here. His word has been delivered. We've worshiped him today. And he's here ready to meet your needs. And I want to invite you to come and pray this, this morning. If there's a spiritual battle in your life and you, you need to be stirred up and strengthened in readiness and help, maybe grab a brother and sister in Christ and come to the altar and pray. Maybe you're engaging in spiritual warfare this week at VBS. And you're ready to share the gospel and you know Satan's going to come at you and you want God's strength and God's help, God's preparation. Reach out to God for help. There's nothing too small that we can bring to him. If Satan's coming at you with it, bring it to God. God will give you the strength to overcome. Maybe there's some huge spiritual battle that's kind of sidelining you from serving right now. There's some battle that you've been facing for a long time. You're weary, you're tired, something going on in your life maybe no one in this room knows about. It's just your private battle. You know, a lot of us have those. A lot of us, lot of us have those that we bear up in our spirit, we bear up in our shoulders. And maybe you're tired this, this morning and you need God's strength and God's help. Maybe the help of another brother and sister in Christ. Right now is the time to reach out for help. Come to the altar for help. Grab a brother and sister in Christ and pray. Say, would you come with me and help me? You don't even have to share details. I'm going through some stuff. Or maybe it's just preparation for this week. Hey, would you pray for me this week? I know I'm already tired. There's already stuff going on. I want God to use me greatly this week. Maybe, maybe you're in a transitional season of your life and things are beginning to change and you know you're coming into a new season and, and that comes with new struggles and new battles and you need God's help, God's wisdom. You need to be prepared with the gospel of peace. Whether you're in your seats right now praying or whether you're at the altar praying, God will hear you. Whatever your need is, seek him for readiness, seek him for help, and then engage in the battle. God, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the truth that holds us together and enables us to fight. We thank you for the power that your Holy Spirit brings, the spiritual food that your word gives, the encouragement that we get from being with our brothers and sisters in Christ and worshiping you this morning. God, we pray that you would feed us with your word, strengthen us with sustenance. Your Holy Spirit would empower us this week as we serve you. Some people are going home to some great battles that only you know about, and they've only shared with you. God, I... I pray as your spirit moves in this place, you know the needs of every person in this place. A group of people just trying their best to serve you, to follow you, to love people and point them to you. We pray, God, that you would 
um, give us what we need to gird up with the belt of truth, to put on the breastplate of righteousness, to put on the shoes so we can go to battle. We thank you for the ultimate victory that you've given us through Jesus Christ our Lord. We thank you for uh, the fact that we are overcomers in Christ, but we still have battles to face, and we pray, God, for your help and for your strength as we put on the armor and we go head first into battle, ready to fight for truth, for what is right, for your name, and to share the gospel, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I hope and pray that you've been challenged and encouraged by the Word of God today as we go forward into this week. Many of you are going home into spiritual battles, and we just pray that uh, you are strengthened by the Word and strengthened by the Spirit as you go forward. Remember, if, you're, uh, if you don't have a specific place for VBS, talk with Lisa right after. She'll have a short meeting to plug you into a great spot to serve and minister to the gospel to these kids that come this week and these families that we might meet or connect with. And uh, if you cannot be here, if you are just absolutely unable to be here, uh, I want to ask you to begin praying all week long earnestly. May, may it be the top of your prayer list for spiritual strength, physical strength for all those who are serving, and that the gospel would clearly be sown into the hearts and lives of children and family that comes this week. Amen? Let's stand and be dismissed once again for Alan's marriage class. We'll be meeting up here at the church. Pizza is on its way in a few minutes, and so we'll meet over lunch for our marriage class. Yes, I forgot to say, our offering for VBS this week is going to our missionary in Saltillo, Mexico, okay? And we want to encourage them and bless them. We'll have some pictures up for the kids this week to let them see who they're supporting. And there is, there is a battle between good and evil, between boy and girl, and um, there's also another competition. There is a huge prize, a, a special prize, the grand prize, for the student who brings the most visitors this week, okay? So all of you church kids, send your school friends a message when you're playing Roblox and Fortnite, all right? Get on, play Fortnite this afternoon, send them a message. Be at church for dinner tonight, 545. We'll serve you dinner come to VBS, and I'll share my prize with you if I win the prize for the most guests. See, that's how you do it. You got it? Zach, Clayton, you go home and tell Colton, you guys get this done. All right, let's pack this place with kids this week. Amen? So in just a few minutes, we're going to move these chairs out of the way so we'll be ready for all them cheerings, and it's going to be an awesome, awesome week. All right? Let's be dismissed in prayer. Brother Mike Carrick, would you dismiss us in prayer, please?